0: It is not allowed in your covenant. So, I think one of the ways that we can really prosper in life is to understand God's rules. And God's rules uh, have to be obeyed if we're going to receive the good life that he's promised us. We all like the promises of God. We all... um, want to live in fulfillment of God's covenant with us and we want to live in harmony with God. We want the good life. I don't know of one person alive that gets up in the morning and says, Hmm, I think I'll just have a bad time today. You know, our motive for getting up every day is to enjoy life, it's to uh, have uh, uh, promises fulfilled, to have joy and expectation, uh, to have good relationships, prosperous relationships. When I say prosperous relationships, I mean I say re- mean relationships that are good, that are enjoyable. Uh, and Jesus said that, that he had given us these promises to fulfill our joy. When our joy is full, his joy is full. Uh, when when we have a good life, he has a good life. And so he wants to share in the goodness that he's prepared with us. But there are certain ways. Uh, there are spiritual laws. That's why we have the Bible. So that we can understand the way back to God. The way to live in harmony with God. The way to live in peace on this earth. The way to live in peaceful harmony and fellowship with our fellow man. I mean, all of this is what God has promised us. And that's why we read the Bible. That's why we're born again. That's why we have relationship with God. All of those things so that we can live the life that he ordained for us to live. And it's a good life. We should never be afraid of what God has in store for us. You know, I know when I first got saved, that was my fear. What is God gonna make me do? What is He not gonna let me do? And I think that's the one thing that keeps many people from serving God. Of course, until you get desperate you have no choice and you think, Well, uh <laughs> do or die right now. I need help so bad I got to uh cave in and and see what this God life is all about. And so when we when we think about that we we understand that initially we had a lot of ignorance about god but as we as we walk with god we get to know him and as we get to know him we get to partake of his love We know that he loves us and we can see evidence of that love almost every day. You know, if you look for it, you'll see some evidence in your life of the mercy and the goodness of God and the love of God at work on your behalf. And so God has designed a way for people to connect with him. He's designed a way for us to get our needs met. Uh, he's designed a way to teach us to pray, teach us how to believe, uh, teach us what to do when when difficulty comes up and when trouble arises. Then we we get to know exactly what it is that God wants us to do in these circumstances and situations. And so when we have these circumstances, To come up, we get to understand that God has a way of uh, allowing us an opportunity to make the choice as to whether or not we want to choose his way we always have that choice it's not just an automatic it should be because we've already given our lives to God but every step of the way we have choices to make do we go God's way do we go our own way Uh, what is God's way how do I find the way to God and so this has been the quest of humanity uh, almost forever. This is why people like Oprah Winfrey can say there are many roads to God. She hasn't found the way. She's not accepting the way and walking in it. You have to accept the Lord. You have to accept Everything about him. You can't just like some things about Jesus and like some things about Buddha. And like some things about this other rela- uh, religion and that religion. You have to lo- love God with all of your heart. Or this covenant does not work. It won't work in a piecemeal fashion. It just won't work that way. And so when we think about uh, what God desires from us. It's 100% commitment. 100% Uh, um, uh, devotion to him but you know you have a choice every day is whether you you walk the way of the flesh or walk the way of the spirit and so God won't compel you to make the right decision he will tell you uh, what the right decision is but he won't force you to make it and so at every juncture and every turn we should seek what is God's way. What is His answer for me? What does He want me to do? How does He want me to respond? And uh, what is He? What does He expect from me? And what will I receive from Him by choosing His way? And uh, so this is just you know this is just normal human reaction to to a God that you can't see. <laughs> we just you know because you can't see Him that. Puts a little bit of a fly in the ointment because then you have to really, really be devoted. You have to think about, uh, you know, uh, not having evidence of his his presence or his his life or anything like that uh, for some stretches of time. You know, you just he just doesn't appear to everybody, but he will make himself known. If that makes any sense to you. You'll have some evidence that God is working in your situation many times God wants to stretch our faith we say use that term but really what that means is that we may have to go a long period of time without any kind of uh, encouragement inkling we have to be self encouragers you got to know that God has said it and I can encourage myself in that that's true and you know I can grow up here I don't need daddy to come to me every five minutes when I'm crying like a baby that doesn't have a bottle I can go in faith and confidence that God is with me and that his promises are still true whether I see anything for a long time or not. And so uh, this is how we, we learn how to relate to God so but our covenant really is based on faith and it's not based on how we ask what we ask how long we ask any of that it is based totally on faith and so our covenant forbids begging and Deuteronomy 7 if you'll turn there and I'll read you scripture that you should have confidence in Deuteronomy 7 9 and this is uh, Moses speaking to the people looks like from the from the uh, law of God he says no Therefore, that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, He's that God, that keeps covenant and mercy with them that love Him. He said, If you love me, you'll do one thing, and that's do what I tell you to do. You'll obey my commandments. He says, He keeps covenant and mercy. With them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Now that term covenant and mercy is very important. Uh, you can have a covenant. You can have an agreement with somebody. Uh, there are two ways to look at any kind of agreement. There's the letter of the law and there's the spirit of the law. The letter of the law spells out that if you do this, 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 and this, God will do this, 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 and this. If you don't do this, this, and this, God will do this, 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 and this. So there's always a penalty in there for disobedience. There must be a penalty for disobedience because there would be no reward for obedience. You know, the matter of choice would be thrown out of the window. Like for instance, if we put a stop sign up there and we never write a ticket if you run the stop sign, what good is a stop sign? So it's like you're not don't even have a law if you don't have a way to enforce it. And there, if you enforce a law, there must be a penalty for disobedience. Well, think about it for a minute. Look at all the people that now the uh, uh, liberals are trying to take over everything. Well, they have nothing to stand on; they have no laws, no morals, no anything, so they make it up as they go along, and they want to sound and everybody who has that mindset has to enforce that policy among one another. so that's why when somebody speaks something against what they think is right, they get this is this is their way of punishing their law. Uh, They persecute you. They take you to court and sue you. They accuse you of being a bigot, a racist, uh, a homophobe. It's the the, uh, penalty of accusation. Uh, They see if they can destroy your character, if they can ruin your finances, all that kind of stuff. So there's no set penalty for breaking their quote-unquote law. With God, the penalty is set already. You understand what I'm saying. So if you see in the law where God says, if uh, if you sleep, if a man sleeps with a woman other than than uh, than his wife, that's adultery, and they both should be brought to the city gate and stoned to death. Well, that's pretty clear, and so you know that there's a law, you know that there's a penalty, and so if if you just look at the law. Item by item, you say, boy, I better not do that, and I better not do that, and I better not do that, and better not do that. And you can probably avoid a lot of bad things. But if you live long enough, you realize you kind of painted yourself into a corner after a while. Because if you live in the world of the don'ts all the time, then you can never come out and do anything. You got me? You'll be afraid to go do something. You know you look and every time you look around. Well man uh, I can't say anything about my neighbor. Because uh, if I say it and it's not true. I'm bearing false witness. And then I've broken the law. You got me? And so. that And this is what happened with Israel. When they saw all of the law written down. They thought how can we do this? This is impossible to fulfill this law. And so. The law had to be administered in a way that gave people God's heart of of holiness and what he expected because God was really writing down what he was like. He's not a liar. He's not a thief. That's why he tells us this is what I'm like. I'm holy, and this is what that means. When you get in situations, you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do that. But at the same token, there had to be an opportunity for people when they broke the law to get forgiven or pay a penalty and get that wiped off the books so that they could start all over again with a clean slate. And that's where mercy comes in. When the Bible says he keeps covenant, there's a law. It's definitely wrong to do these things. But he keeps covenant and mercy. So mercy is the spirit through which he administers the law all the time. It's never been like a harsh black and white thing. Why? We know that because they had an annual day of atonement. Where you can go, you can go check yourself in and get the slate wiped clean bring your offering your sacrifices he always provided that it was never a straight down the line once you miss it you blew it forever it was never like that even within the nation of israel it was never like that you never blow it forever with god he's always he says he keeps covenant and mercy to how many generations a thousand generations That's why preacher's kids get away with so much nonsense. You understand what I'm saying? thousand generations. Your kids will be the first ones to pick up on that. Ever since dad been in that crazy church over there. I can keep me a job and he must be praying for me. You see what I'm saying? And so those generations will pick up on it. And they'll understand the mercy of God to help them in difficulties and so forth and so on. So your God keeps covenant and mercy. And that's one thing you need to know. You're not earning the right to have the promises come into your life. Don't ever think of yourself as, well, I got to do this or I got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. You're going to blow it so many times it'll be pathetic. You know, if you just look back and see... What you're doing and how much effort you're putting in and how what that what that little your little spiritual muscle is really pushing. Jesus said you're always yoked up with Him, right? You're not in this by yourself. You're yoked up. He's doing the heavy lifting. In other words, you got me. And so you're kind of like going along in faith for the ride, expecting that with Him doing the heavy lifting, it's going to work out okay for you, because you're the recipient of His mercy. Not recipient of his covenant and his law, you 're recipient of his mercy, and so we as believers, have to keep that in mind. We have a mercy covenant, mercy overrides judgment every single time his mercy endures forever. His judgment the Bible says that he he's angry at us for a moment that 's all, and then it you know as a man as a, a man pitieth his children that 's the way God looks at us. You got me? We're not as big and bad and powerful as we think we are. You know, I see people, I see preachers all the time trying to make a reputation for themselves. They kind of, you know, you get a little humorous sometimes. They take themselves so seriously, you know. Just, well, uh, I, I just felt I needed to speak out on this controversy. I'm thinking, what controversy? You're talking about gossip coming from a handful of people. In the body of Christ. And he's like yeah it's it's trying to mess up the body. Listen. Christians have been around for over 2,000 years. There was a time in history where we were very scarce. Where churches were very scarce. And that God didn't raise up anybody to speak out on it on YouTube. Or wherever else they speak out. it To tell their little, <laughs> their little twist to the controversy. I remember when Oral Roberts had to uh, raise a certain amount of money. He said he said if, God said if he didn't do it, he was going to take him home. And all these people now, you're not in his head, and you're not in his spirit, and you're not in his ear. You don't know what God told him. But it's amazing how many people come out of the woodworks to give their take on whether God told him that or not. The well, only thing you got to decide is are you going to give him some money or not? I mean, seriously. <laughs> if you ain't gonna give don't give go shut up but you can't sit up here and decide i mean what difference does that make people are still going to send money if they feel led to send it anywho that's a whole different point but you know people are always trying to make themselves great god told abraham he said i'll make you great i'll make your name great you understand what i'm saying not you, your name. People are going to remember your name from generation to generation to generation. You can't make yourself great. I don't care how many controversies you try to speak into. It's just not going to happen. You got me? you wind up messing yourself up more than anything else. Because people see what you really made out of them. So in Nehemiah 1.5 it says the same thing. When Nehemiah went to God. He addressed him as the God who keeps covenant and mercy. That's who your God is. And you need to remember that every time you go to God. Remember he's the God who keeps covenant. He keeps his word to you and he is a merciful God. What does that mean to you? That means that thing that you thought was going to keep you from getting what you need is not an issue with God. You got me? You just confess it. You be contrite about it. You don't be prideful and arrogant and think you're getting away with something and God has some special relationship with you that you don't have to do everything you're supposed to do. That's the greatest deception. Satan thought the same thing. When you see what happened to him. You don't want to go with him. You want to go with God. And always be respectful that God keeps mercy. Always count it as a privilege that he's a merciful God. Always hold it in high esteem and don't trample it underfoot like it's something really cheap because it's not. It costs Jesus everything. And so we have to always be mindful of what it costs for him to get that to us. And I think we will be on the right track as far as our mindset is concerned. So God's overriding motive in everything he does is his loving kindness. He's motivated by love and tender mercy. We have an unbreakable covenant. Which means that you can be as naughty as you want to be. As as prideful as you want to be. But you can't get God to let go of you. You got me? Now you can let go of him and live, live a life void of any goodness in it. But he won't let go of you. He keeps his end of the deal. So when we talk about whether how to come to him in covenant. Remembering his mercy. You need to understand that begging is an attempt to convince someone that they should help you. It has nothing to do with whether your heart is humble or whether you're, you're uh, sincere. We're not talking about petitioning sincerely in a humble way. This, this is something that comes from a totally different realm. Begging is something that comes out of the spirit of darkness. And it's a dark attitude and I'll tell you why. God has given us his word that he will help us. Our covenant compels us to believe his word. Begging comes in the absence of faith. So people are trying. They know they don't really believe or they're not sure if they believe. So what they're doing is they are trying to substitute something for faith. And so that's where begging comes in. because we don't really know that we have a right or we have a a a, a, a um, position in God that entitles us to be able to ask. So that's where that takes over. When a person begs or whines, they have no basis or permission to ask. So they have no basis. And no permission to ask. Begging has an element of complaint and accusation involved. So this is why it's unacceptable to God. Say somebody is makes up their minds that they're going to beg for something. There's a little girl that stands on the corner when we get off the off-ramp of I-75 Um, where we coming we're we're coming south so it's the off ramp of 75 south right at the top of the ramp where the stoplight is. is that's where beggars stand it's traditional look at there's always a gate to the city you can tell the gate to the city because that's where the beggars are they want to flag down everybody who comes in so she feels she stand at the gate of the city of Hamtramck and beg. And so, you know, these things aren't chosen by happenstance, folks. They're assignments. The devil has assigned her to beg there. Begging is never of God. Never. You got me? Never. You see many in the Bible who did it. The man at the gate, beautiful. Blind Bartimaeus. There was the the, uh, people that were on the porch, porch of Bethesda, with all those people. When they weren't there looking for a miracle, they were out positioned somewhere to beg. So there's an art to begging, too. Some people get very good at it. You know how? Well, think about it for a minute. How you get good at something. Yeah, and you get supernatural help after a while. Well, sure. You look at musicians. Rock musicians. They have supernatural help. They get inspired. They get. To, they hear different chords and, and all that kind of stuff. They have supernatural help. They don't just have natural help. Well, I'll have access to it. And so many times beggars get supernatural help. They understand how to speak to people. they understand how to look, how to dress. You notice, Mr. Gary, when we you know you had decided to say, oh, "I got a buck." I said, "Oh, let's give her a little money and you know see what she does with it." And it was kind of interesting. The next time we saw her little sign, she was saying she would work, do lawn work for money. So I guess she decided to go get a job <laughs> anyway, but that was kind of telling, but she she got that money so quickly, it was amazing to me, I mean, now contrast that with, say like, now we've all seen the, uh, the odd fellows, that uh, will in the uh, firemen when they put have their boots out there and they'll stop traffic sometime to collect for a charity or something like that. You know, many times they miss their money because people don't stop. They don't get good at it because they don't have supernatural help. They only do it once or twice a year. You understand what I'm saying? So professional beggars, there are professional beggars. Huh? And they, they're they akin to thieves. Read Oliver Twist. You know, they took those orphan children, the little innocent cute ones, and set them to begging. You know, Fagin. And he was able to corral a whole posse of little children. And when they found somebody that had money, they found a way to pick their pockets and take from them. So there's a, a very strong connection between begging and stealing. All right that's why God don't want us doing that. Come on now, let's get with it. Let's all get in the same mindset here. So that's why it's it's from darkness. That's why. And see, we don't like thinking like that because we look at this poor person that is out here and this is the best thing oh they must be in very dire straits to get out and beg my goodness I, what would it take for me to do that? i'd go get well that's what what you are willing to do they refuse to do i'd go get a job doing anything i did i'd do anything before i would stand up and beg you got me so there's an art to it there's darkness that comes from darkness that's why god don't want you doing it and he won't respond as long as we're doing it. You got me? Sometimes we don't know any better. I think God despises it when we beg for other from other people. He doesn't like it. We need to come to him in faith, believing. So when we go to God begging and complaining, we express that we feel that life is unfair. That's lie number one that we believe. Life is not unfair. You reap what you sow. So that's lie number one. <laughs> we are involved in a situation we don't deserve. That's lie number two. And we are being treated unjustly. So the person who is the beggar will be uh, steeped in the why me syndrome. Why me? Why has this always happened to me? Well, you pretty much know why. You read your Bible. You need to change your seed. You need to quit sowing to darkness. And you wouldn't reap so much darkness. A very simple answer. See, the fact that we have answers means there's hope for us. I mean, I like having answers because you know what to do now. When you don't have answers is when you're really in bad shape. Amen. So we have to realize that our God has ordained a life for us that is a spiritual life. It's a life where we live in the light, where everything's exposed, and we're not ashamed that it's exposed. It's exposed for our benefit, so we can see our way around and We're not stumbling in darkness anymore. I mean, I think that's a good thing. There are certain truths that you have to accept about life as you, as you understand God. You need to understand his word in certain things. Number one, in the world you will have trouble. It's inescapable. Trouble is inescapable. Now the person who doesn't trust God tries to escape trouble at all times. And they're very shocked when trouble comes to them because they look, look, I, I, I haven't done this, I haven't done that, I, I haven't treated nobody bad, I haven't done, it but you going to get trouble anyway, so shut up, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is self-righteousness. Got me? Self-righteousness is trying to avoid trouble. The obvious. You need to know that it rains on the just and unjust. You just caught a little rain, that's all all. happens to everybody. Somehow we labor under the delusion that nothing bad should happen to us. And this is whether you're saved or unsaved. You find unsaved people out there trying to think they do everything right. or And this is the capper. It, people, we live in this little bubble where somebody that we've been we feel we've been treating them well. All of a sudden they turn against us and we think we don't deserve that. We didn't do anything to them. Well, you know, God's just showing you this his word is true. It's gonna rain on you like it's raining on we think if we treat everybody real good, they should never ever do anything to us to upset us. It's called neurosis. <laughs> Sometimes the people you treat you the best are try to walk all over you. <laughs> so what you what is your antidote for that? Forget about it. It's not important at all. It's not important one little bit at all. <laughs> You're trying to make it important in your little world. It's very important. Because I try to do everything right. I try not to offend anybody. And look what happened to me. I kept offending you. Well, you're not doing it out of love. You're doing it out of superstition to avoid something bad happening to you. (laughs) A little superstitious thing. You better read your Bible. Read the fine print. Amen. In Job 1, let me find Job real quick. <laughs> I can see some of you think that's real unfair. <laughs> Once you realize that you can offend people without even trying, you'll loosen up on that kind of standard. You know, some people aren't even trying to offend you. It's just, it's just sometimes you're in a bad mood. So, Job one twenty-two. It says, in all this, Job did not sin, nor did he charge God foolishly. Every time Job sat up there one day, and everybody that came in his in his front door had bad news for him, nobody's ever had a day like that. Well, maybe some people have, but it would have to be a real holocaust, a real disaster for somebody to have as difficult a time as Job did. Why did he have this trouble? Because he was righteous. Really? Yeah, the Bible says that. You read that too. Huh? God says, if you considered my servant Job? God spoke highly of Job. He didn't say, uh, I want you, devil, I want you to go down and take care of Job. He ain't no good. He didn't say that. He spoke very highly of Job. We gotta understand our our God, our covenant, the world we live in, because we tend to live in this little bubble of no trouble for me, I do everything right you know <laughs> in job two verse ten his wife um, verse nine, his wife said to him. Are you still going to retain your integrity? Curse God and die, so I can cash in this insurance policy I got on. <laughs> Till death do us part. How'd you like it for your wife to tell you to drop dead, and you're on your sick bed already? It's okay, y'all. It's okay. But see, we think if we don't do nothing bad to nobody, we'd never get anything bad to us. And Joe's a righteous man. And he said, you know what? You're talking crazy, you little witch. Get out of here. Isn't that what he said? One translation, he says here, well, this place, he calls her a fool, but, you know, a witch is probably around the same. He said, but in, in one, one translation, he says, you talk like the daughters of Belial. So you talk like a witch. Oh. He said, don't you think we can have received good and bad? Look at how good God's been to us. Huh? You can only say that if you know that your God has a remedy for you and he will pull you through. What the wife didn't know about God, Job knew. Thank God somebody knew that he served a God who keeps covenant and mercy. Listen, we serve a merciful God. I don't care how bad it gets. It could always be worse. And I know my Redeemer lives and in my flesh I will see God. So I don't know what you're talking about. But don't call Allstate just yet. Don't call State Farm or whoever you got your policy with. Just don't call an agent. Ain't time to cash me in. <laughs> Seriously. People live in such drama. You know they think oh it's so bad. Keep living. Our lives are not a matter of deserving or undeserving. But whether we can believe for God for mercy. That's what our lives hinge on. The deserving not deserving not an issue. Which the issue is can you believe that you serve a God of mercy. This will tip the scales in your favor when you can lawyer up and throw yourself on God's mercy. The reason the book of Job is so long is because it took a long time for Job to look up and see God and just throw himself on his mercy he tried to defend himself see the the job's friends the men who came to his bedside to talk to him represents the warfare in your mind when you have affliction in your body those thoughts will come to you you didn't do that right you didn't do this right you didn't and then you'll speak back to him defending yourself you can do this forever if you don't snap out of it and say, this is not an issue, I better lawyer up. Let me call my attorney. Huh? The people who get in the worst trouble with their mouths when, when they're being suspected of something. You know, like when police go to talk to them. Are the ones that try to prove their innocence right there in an interrogation room. People tell you all the time, don't say nothing to them. I don't care if you are innocent. Shut up and get a lawyer because you can say something that gets twisted and twisted out of shape. People hear how they want to hear. Those people are not your judges. They are investigators. We treat them like judges. You get the wrong relationship there. You need to go to the judge as quickly as you can. Turn yourself into Jesus. Put yourself on his mercy. And then it will work out for you. But this business of trying to, you know, in your mind, you know, oh, look at you. Your feet are swollen because you ate all that salt and all that kind of stuff. Well, I just had a little bit and this couldn't be from the salt. It's got to be. Listen, call your lawyer. Cut this nonsense out. Why are you defending yourself to your own bad conscience? Yeah. Okay. Feet swell up if you want to. I'm gonna eat some more salt this afternoon. You understand what I'm saying? You talk to your lawyer. He tell you, you ain't done nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this would make a good healing school. Maybe I should say this for next Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. See, when you have a covenant, you got to understand what that means. You have to defend yourself to your own crazy brain. That's the devil speaking to your own carnal mind. Then he likes to go down memory lane. If you hadn't done this and you hadn't done that and you hadn't done that. Well, Job said, I'll settle the whole thing. If I hadn't been born, I wouldn't be in this situation. I rue the day I was even born, man. There's bad stuff here. Wife well, done tried to, you know, waving her little policy in front of me and stuff. They made the call to the agent already, ready cash me in. All right. And you know, God has something to prove to her, too. This is why, you know, when we're in situations, we think it's all about us, don't we? Oh, I can just get a, oh, It's about me. Yeah, it's about me. It's not always about you, it's about them onlookers, too. And don't let that be your main motive. You know, people get twisted. Well, just wait until uh, God does this for me, it's going to show you ain't here for no show. God'll, you'll be a witness You know where God wants that testimony to go. Be showing nobody how much you know about God. You don't know nothing. Huh? If that's your mindset. So we have to learn how to lawyer up quickly. Not after you, the devil's tormented you for months with what you didn't do right. But lawyer up quickly. Go to God quickly. Go to his throne quickly. Hmm? <laughs> like the the song we like to sing sometimes hasten to his throne uh, you better get hasten me and go there first. you got me, show up there bright and early. people who lead, need legal help they <laughs> look the first thing they do is what time does his office open uh <laughs> give me the first appointment you have Did <laughs> do. You know? Nothing wrong with it. When you need him, you need him. Hmm. My um, my husband's family, had they had a family friend who was a criminal lawyer in Cleveland. He's passed away now. But they were very, very popular, famous lawyers in the black community. Because, you know, they would defend. They were... African American lawyers and most of their clients were African American. And so I I had to go by his office one time and either drop something off or ask him something or something like that. And uh, he said, Oh, oh, okay, hold on a minute. I got to put this money away. He said, Well, come on in. I usually don't let people come in when I'm handling money, but but, uh, he said, Yeah, this is my retainer. And it was a wad of. Like fives and ones wrapped up in a rubber band, he said. Now I believe he just went out and robbed a McDonald's or something. And got was McMoney. money. He says There's too many singles in here, but that's how they they conducted business. You know, you never would. mothers they said, Mama said she was going to bring you some money, and they never knew where the money was coming from or how it was going to come. But they got in there. Career criminals know how to. Find a lawyer. Come on now. We're righteous people. You think you don't need somebody to go to bat for you? (laughs) You do. Thank God you have an intercessor that speaks the language of heaven perfectly. You try to go in the courtroom and they have so many little Latin phrases for everything. You never figure out all that stuff. You need somebody who can interpret the law for you. That's why we need Jesus. We lawyer up and give every throw ourselves on his mercy. I plead the blood. I don't have no defense of myself. I did wrong. I don't know which wrong of these wrong things I did. Cause my ankles to swell up. But they swell, So I don't even get out of here. No, you know what I'm talking about? Turn to Mark chapter 7. <laughs> we'll go on to our example. You think God don't forgive you for doing wrong things and causing damage to your body? If that's what damaged it, and if it's really damaged, He don't know none of that stuff. <laughs> All you know is you got a symptom there. Oh, you know I'm saying. Well, your lawyer tells you you can speak the word to it. Well, you have my permission to speak the word to that. <laughs> See if you can get it to move. Huh? Okay, so Mark chapter seven. The same story is in Matthew fifteen. Maybe I'll go through Mark seven kind of quickly, and we'll we'll go over to Matthew fifteen, and, and that's where I'll teach from. Uh, uh, Mark seven twenty four, and from thence he arose and went to the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into a house, and would have no man know it, but he couldn't be hid. Okay, well, Jesus, see, he didn't have to, uh, you know, get flyers and posters. We have to do that now. But, you know, people just knew from the anointing that, that they were being drawn to someone who really knew God. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit. Heard of him and came and fell at his feet. And the woman was a Greek, Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. Jesus said to her, Let the children first be filled. For it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. She answered and said, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. He said to her, For this saying, Go your way, the devil has gone out of your daughter. When she was come to her, how she found the devil gone out and her daughter upon her bed. Now in Matthew, if you turn back there, Matthew 15, I think that's where we'll, we'll land. Matthew 15 and 21 And Jesus went thence and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, your son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now here we got your typical, oh, so bad. See, the words grievously vexed. They get you to know what type of spirit is behind this complaint. She's exaggerating the extent of her daughter's illness as though God doesn't know how bad it is. Hmm? That's the first step in exaggerating, exaggerating how difficult something is. Suppose it's not that bad and she's saying it anyway. What do you think condition her daughter might be in back where she's at? And people keep embellishing things and making them out worse than what they are. She thinks she has to exaggerate how bad it is to move Jesus to help her. We never have to do that. Why? He keeps covenant and mercy. He's already merciful. He's already going to do it. He's already made up his mind what he's going to do. Our exaggerating saying how bad it is and how long it's been that way and how, oh, how terrible it is. That's not going to move him anymore. I'm going to say it again. People think that's normal. To just go on and on and on about how bad it is what the devil's doing. It's not normal. It's not normal for spiritual people who have a covenant with God. It's not normal for contact with God. It's not. So just save it. All you have to do is go to the Word and say, God, I've been to the doctor and they said it's this, 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 and this, and your Word says this. That's that's your end of the covenant. That's what you're responsible to do. You're responsible to know what God's already told you he's going to do in that situation. If you don't know, go get your Bible and find it. These things are very easy to find. He said you can ask anything and he'll do it. So ask to be healed. Well, see, I don't know if I can tell God I want to be healed because we're supposed to be already healed. But if you're confused, tell him you're confused. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what are you gonna do? God's not an examiner; He's your friend. He's not somebody that you got to convince that you believe Him. He knows already. And if you don't believe him, guess what? Oh, he's just going to kick me to the curb and never help me. No, he will help your unbelief. You, he supplies your every need. If your need is to be encouraged in your faith, he'll do it. No, oh, I thought I had to say it because Brother Hagen said if I don't say it this way. Well, that was for Brother Hagin, maybe. I don't know, but me, myself. (laughs) Her sister don't do everything right, so she's just in here trying to, you know, give me some mercy so I can, uh. (laughs) well. Verse 23, remember in Mark it said, uh, 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 um, she begged Jesus over here in Matthew. It says, uh, it says, she came and saying, 'My my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her, not a word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. She never said anything that moved him. So all of your telling how bad it is, how many years you've suffered... How much it's cost you with the doctors and no, all is not going to move him. He's not moved by that. I don't think that's real merciful. I do. Because in the meantime, he's going to teach you what you already got that you have no. <laughs> You've already got something from him that you don't know that you have. It's a little bitty quantity called faith you have it in you somewhere you're just not expressing it complaining is not an expression of faith I don't care how long you complain how many years you be tortured and all that he ain't going to respond to that he's got laws he works by his laws His laws aren't wrong. They're not mean. They're not grievous to us. They're his laws. They're based on love. They're always loving laws. All you got to do is quit being so prideful, adamant, and rebellious. And trying to demand. You know, it's time to grow up and speak God's language. Trying to demand what you want. See, people who demand give up very quickly. Mm-hmm. Get frustrated and quit. Because we're trying to make God over. As though he's got something wrong with him. We'll have to make him over. All we got to do is find out what it takes to please him. And guess what? This is going to startle you. You've got it already. It's not that you don't have it. And you'll never get it. Or you gotta be a certain kind of person to have it, you've got it already. And it's his job to squeeze it out of you. Oh, Barb, that sounds so mean. Well let's keep reading. You're gonna you're gonna witness the squeeze. <laughs> Jesus did not answer her because begging negates your covenant. You don't have a dark covenant. You have a covenant of light faith. She attempted to move him emotionally. And convince him to cast the devil out of her daughter. That's what beggars do. They try to move you emotionally. And they're very successful most times. They get people to move emotionally. There are times when, you know, you'll you'll try to fight that, and then you get hardened. Don't let the devil do that to you. You know, somebody's trying to manipulate you and move you emotionally, and you harden yourself. Don't do that. You let God help you to sort through. If you're to do anything to help them, let God just rest back a little bit. And ask God to help you understand. God, is this my job to help this person? What am I to do? How much am I to help them? How am I going to help them? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. You do that, and we have to we have to be very very careful that we don't harden ourselves and shut down the compassion of God that would work to help people. Most people, if you pray for them, that's the best help you can give them. You got me? You put them in the in the path, the right path. You say, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. You know, I got a little bit of money, but that's not what you need. You need God to help you consistently. And he wants to help you. You got me? And I'm not saying doing the religious blanket fashion. You don't help give anybody anything. But you sort through that. But you always offer Jesus to them. Amen. Okay, so... Begging negates our covenant because it's from darkness. We have to step into the light to uh, to activate our covenant with God. She attempted to move him emotionally and convince him to cast the devil out of her daughter. It says the spirit behind begging has no faith. There's no faith involved in that. It can't be because it's from the spirit of darkness. It is not connected to God in any way. So just stop it. Cut it out. When God instructed Adam, he expected Adam to follow instructions in how to approach him. Got me? This is why he instructs us. God is not going to change for us. He's not going to change all the laws that hold the stars up in the sky and the sun up there and the moon and the tides flow. He would have to change all of that in order to change one. Because in order for him to change, he would have to admit he's not holy. He's the only one who has that privilege as a matter of fact. We don't have that. God is still royalty so we must approach him in a certain way to be heard. We also must approach him on the basis of faith. Always. I don't care if it's a little bitty bit of faith. Get it out there. Faith is your passport in the spirit for all things you need and you are given freely a measure of faith. When Jesus said ask anything it means the content of your request is unimportant to him. It doesn't matter if you're asking for a cure for cancer, if you're asking for uh, your keys to be found, if you're asking for new hair to grow on your head. He don't care what you ask for. Because ask is an open blank space. You have a blank check for the asking. He says anything. It doesn't matter what you're asking for. But it does matter how you ask. <laughs> you got me? So what's important is the condition of your heart. He overlooks what it is you ask for. But he looks very carefully at how you ask. Are you asking with a pure heart? Are you asking in faith? So faith must come from a pure heart in order to please God. You have to expect as a child would. In Matthew eight eighteen it tells us we have to ask as little children. If anybody comes to me, what do little children have? They expect everything. And they'll motivate you. You know, when your kid expects something you, you it would tear your heart out to disappoint them you know I mean sincerely the more sincere they are about asking sometimes the more compelled you feel to fulfill that request you know if they're really looking forward to it you know you have to be a real hard person a real selfish person not to care if you disappoint you know your own children. I know they ask some exotic and fantastic things sometimes, you know. And y'all can have a good laugh. Oh, really? We going to Disney World? You know what that costs, Johnny? You know what I'm saying? You can talk them down a little. They'll go to Geauga Lake, you know, or Cedar Point, or someplace like that. As a sub-day. you can get them, You can talk them down off Disney World, but you can't talk them out of expecting you to come through for them on something. Who else are they going to look to? And who else would you want them looking to? You want your children to look to you for things that they need. So we have to expect, as a child would expect, put all your confidence. Children are innocent in their faith. And that's a pure heart. They're willing to ask anything. So we must be, as children, we have to expect good always. Your kids never expect you to disappoint them. They expect good all the time. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, um, the Bible says not to, to provoke your children to anger, to discourage them. See, this is the wrong seed for a parent to plant. You can't allow your children to grow up discouraged. So when you see that little crestfallen thing on them sometimes and you know that you've not done your best, you really have to make that right. You know, you got to go to them and you can talk to them when they're real young sometimes and get them to understand very, very adult things, you know. But you've got to get them to understand your heart. And that's what God does for us. We, we are understanding his heart through what we see in the word. So we have to expect good. Many times you'll see kids refuse refuse to complain about parents. They love their parents. They they always expect you to come through for them, you know. And it's some pretty rough parents out there. I mean, come on now, it's babies having babies. They can't do a lot to help their children, and so you know, it's but their children still love them. Wouldn't take anything in exchange for them. They always, always love their parents. And they expect you to come through. So their love sometimes can encourage you to try a little harder to please them. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the same thing with God. When he sees us expecting, he'll move heaven and earth to get that answer down here to us. Amen? So we need to, uh, children, children. Too seldom fear rejection. They usually put their faith to work, and they'll do it over and over and over again. The beggar feels he will receive by much pleading. So begging tries to move through emotion and deceit. In covenant, somehow beggars feel that they, you know they know somewhere what they're doing is not really legitimate. So they keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing, keep to legitimize their request because they fear it won 't be believed. you got me, so there 's this darkness that's that continues to work in them to get them to plead even more strongly you know the next time they're continually pleading uh their case so uh, the beggar feels he will receive by much pleading emotion and deceit in covenant there must be the pure desire expressed so we got to be honest you know get down to really where you live because in a in a beggar's mind they're not deserving anyway the devil's already told them you know you know you don't deserve this, so you got to really work, people. You got to really put the pressure on in order to get it. And so we think we have to get more and more evidence that uh, you know our request is legitimate. You know, it's like, uh, well, I went to the doctor already, and they said this, 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 and this. You know, people who are are not really convinced that the word will do it. You know we're new at the things of God. You're not convinced 100% that the word will do it. And so you'll find yourself looking for evidence to support how bad it is and how hard it would be for the word to take care of your problem. Your mind will do this by itself. That's why you have to consider not certain things. Because if your faith is going to work, it must work in an atmosphere where the word is supported and not back and forth. You're, you got yourself in a courtroom when you do that. You know the defense is presenting certain evidence here and the the plaintiff is, is presenting certain evidence here and now all of a sudden y'all on the same team you know what I'm saying it's like they've won you over already to a losing case well you have to your mind cannot consider certain things that your body perceives you can't internalize that And work it because it will start sounding more legitimate to you. And God's word will start sounding like the wrong thing. We all go through this. You can win this battle. You just have to do a little discipline. You're not looking for evidence of how bad it is and how bad you feel. You never want to legitimize the work of darkness in your life. You want to legitimize the word of God and let the word come in and start to dispel that darkness. Even if you're not convinced that it works yourself, you got to do that much by faith. See what I'm saying? And this Syrophoenician woman, when she came to Jesus, she came with some measure of faith because she wouldn't have gotten there, as she didn't believe him to some degree. She never would have made it to that meeting. Hmm? When you pray and you ask God for things. You have a measure of faith working for you. You just want it to be over immediately. You don't want it to drag out. You got me? It's better for you if you let it drag out. Now You don't believe this but I'm telling you it's the truth. It's better for you if you don't get everything the first time you ask. Because you won't know where it's coming from. I'm going to say it again. You won't know where it's coming from. And basically at the point you're at, you don't care. But God wants you to care. So in the process, he's making you learn his ways. You're not going to get it right away. I'm telling you, you not. Now watch, he'll give somebody something right away just just to prove to me that I'm wrong. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) If I was God, I wouldn't. No, you know what I'm saying. But it's not good for us. Because first of all, your faith wouldn't get very strong. So the next devil that comes along can pick you off in a day. Blow you over with a, a matchstick. So <laughs> it's not going to happen like that. And usually the first time we ask there's not enough we are not pushing enough faith muscle to get it in. And then once you got it get it in, you got to keep it. I remember a season Benny Hinn went through where he started having classes to teach people how to keep the healing. That they had received, because he said he they would get many complaints after the conf- conference was over. That when they got home, the symptoms returned. They lost their healing. He thought it was his job to teach people how to keep their healing. Well, when he had to keep the healing classes, nobody showed up. <laughs> God knows what he's doing. The people that that really had it, kept it. The ones that came for a taste, they got a taste. I'm going to say it again. The ones that kept it, really had it. The ones who came for a taste, got a taste. It depends on what you're looking for. Everybody that came to that meeting could have believed God for a permanent healing. A lot of people come trying to see if God has power to see if Benny can do it. See if their 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 motives are mixed. As long as your motives mixed is not going to stay with you. You can get it back again. You can get it for sure. But if your motive is mixed and you're trying to see and you're not going to hold on to it, you're not going to stay in the word, you're not going to stay confident, you're not going to fight the devil off if he comes back again. See, mostly we're trying to hide from the devil hoping he won't show up again. And that's exactly what he's going to do. And it's exactly what God's going to let him do. He's going to let him show up again and trying to talk you out of it. Why? Because you need to be able to fight the good fight of faith. you got to hold on to what God gives you. You get it one time let the devil take it back? I don't think so. You can't get God involved in that kind of foolishness. So he's not going to let us grab up things the first time we pray. And think we live happily ever after. You're going to have to walk with God. He is your protector to keep and hold on to the things that he's giving you. This is a trust thing. This is a thing where God is ensuring that you walk with him. Then the Bible says nobody who gives up father, mother, sister, and brother will receive a hundredfold with persecution. That's your little zinger at the bottom. Why does he give you persecution? So you don't run off and act like a heathen once you get something from him. That's just the truth of it. But most of us would. I'm just giving my testimony. No you not. you bragging on how much faith you got. You're a little liar you. Don't even know the difference. <laughs> the other thing you need to know is that God is looking for faith when he returns to the earth. If you're not using it in some way down here he won't be able to find you. Just an aside you got to be using your faith all the time. Most people don't use it. If they don't think they need to use it. You know. Preachers have to be careful about. Making sure that they put their faith to work continually. Continually. Or else everything that you attain in God will start to wane and drop off after a while. You couldn't have... Healing meetings, you couldn't have people, you know, uh, imparting anointing to people and all that kind of stuff. If your faith wanes, you know, if you get everything you need. And see, this is why, in my opinion, my humble opinion, you know, it doesn't have to be right. Where where I believe that people who have uh, prosperity in faith ministries take a wrong turn. They lean too much in on the material side of things, at the expense of the supernatural. So you're seeing where some of them used to have real strong healing anointings, they don't have as much anymore. They don't do as many healing meetings. They don't do as many. A few of them balance it out. The ones who were brought up the right way, you see, Brother Copeland, he's he was a disciple of Oral Roberts, and Oral knew how to not compromise the healing anointing for you know, material, because he was he was called to do both of them. You know, but not everybody who's doing it is called to do it. You know, we're called to lay hands on the sick, pray for the sick, work in the supernatural much more than we're called to work in the money aspect of it. You know, everybody not called to have a multi-million dollar ministry with an airplane. And so we we have to understand that you can sacrifice one for the other if there's not a mechanism in God to keep your faith active at all times. You know, he, I'll have stuff like a, my electric bill shoot up all of a sudden. You can't go around and turn off a l- enough light bulbs. Now, you can try, but you've got to use the word and use your faith. God, help me with this. I'm, you know, I can run around here and try to pull plugs and all that stuff and see if it will make a big difference. But I want something that's going to make a difference here and start using the word you know them lights will turn themselves automatically off or you know anything like that but you've got to put the word on that so when things like that happen I'll have things to stop working break down all this kind of stuff you know if if I don't engage God in it engage my faith I'll be running around there buying appliances you know every time something happens you've got to use your faith you've got to go there first before you go any i don't have enough money to stop all the the stuff that could go wrong in that 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 whopper of a house I live in in a barn too. Come on now let's get real folks, so it's not you know somebody dripping with money, but I'm living by faith. That property belongs to God and I expect him to help me take care of it. you know He'll guide me in the things I need to do. but uh, I'm not just you know if the money is there, I'm just going to spend it. really? I don't think so. You know I go to my God first and see what he'll do. You know I had a, a, the, my uh, oven quit working the week before Thanksgiving. And I called a guy out. and You know, of course, it's never good news. You know, and it's one guy kept asking me, I don't know why you keep putting money in this. And I want to say, that ain't your business. Now you want to make sure is my check is good. That's <laughs> make sure you fix it. People always will mess up in my head for hours. I'm not buying it just because you're telling me I should. But anyway, I when when the workman came out, well, you know he's a backslidden Christian. So here we go, you know, God gets a twofer, right? Yeah, right. And this is this is always God's economy of things. This is why we we get Him involved in things, so that I'm not just putting money out to get things fixed. But if I ask God first, it'll be the twofer, you know. Uh, and so anyway, he he comes and tests some things. He sits down tells me, uh, I can only find half of the parts if I were to repair it. And I wouldn't recommend it because it's so expensive. I can only find half the parts. And somebody says there's one part. He said that's not really a part. That's something they say just to say there's a part once existed. And so it's doom and gloom. And so he sits there and he tells me, he says... Uh, well, your oven's working. And I'm thinking, get out of here. That's all. You're excused. Don't tell me my stuff working now. Are you kidding me? Because if I know it's working, I know how to work it. Anywho when he tells me his work and I say oh, okay well this this conversation is over God let's go over to why he's really here so he tells me his you know his whole story and he doesn't he's trying to find the right church and all his questions about God and he's one of these intellectual people and so forth and so on so I minister to him some and I give him our website address I said if you need answers I said boy we got a ton of answers on there you visit that and it'll tell you everything you know and blah this and blah that and so you You know I'm satisfied God's too for, but I know too God's gonna bless me. He's gonna bless me for ministering to this man. I just know He is. So I decide well if my oven's working, let me see how long my my concern is how long is it gonna work. So I decided that I would test it out to see if it would continue to come on. So I said well let me do this. I said I'll instead of canceling Thanksgiving. No, you know, like the Syrophoenician woman, grievously, oh, I can't, I can't fix Thanksgiving dinner. You know, everybody expects you to cancel because they come over and freeload. So I'm not going to play into the devils. You know, you know, you guess a lot of things. If you really sit back and think about it, what we do has great impact in so many different areas. Well, most of my family thinks I'm some kind of slipshod preacher, and they all Baptists. They think you ain't supposed to be preaching anyway, and I don't see why them people must be crazy. She she talk crazy. She never, you know, she been in a nut house too, and all this. You know what I'm saying? I got a reputation. I got to try and live down among the heathen, but they all claim to know God too. You know what I'm saying? So it's their fair game. So uh, I said, Well, God, all the devil would want would be for me to beg off and not do this. And so I told the Lord, I said, Let me take it a little bit at a time. I said, I'll cook my turkey Saturday. I'll cook this. Now, I started Friday. I'll do the turkey. The turkey cooked all the way through. We had, Oh, good. Turkey done. Let's do some dressing. So, you know, you get all your little baking out of the way. And I said, the last thing is to, to do mac and cheese, but I can't do that now. I've got to do it on Thanksgiving. I said, well, God, you got me this far. Get me through Thanksgiving. This is faith, folks. It's not, it's going to run for a hundred days and I know it. Faith is a step at a time because that's all the light you're given is for the next step. And it's not hard for me. It doesn't torture me. Because I got money I could go buy a stove tomorrow. I could cancel Thanksgiving tomorrow. This is not life and death that this stove work. But I know this is my challenge to my day-to-day faith. And that's how I step into day-to-day faith. Just trusting God with these kinds of things. So what Thanksgiving was what how many months ago? Six months at least. Still working. Stove still, still working. Keep swimming. Just keep swimming. See so if you stay in there. You keep using your faith every opportunity. Don't go off in the flesh trying to enjoy your life. Come on now. We're way beyond that. You don't need these fleshly outlets. You can do do uh, natural things but enjoy them in a spiritual fashion. You just got to find that place in God where he lets you enjoy things without getting in trouble with them. You know, you don't have to, you know, get uh, obsessed with things and got to have certain. You don't don't go down. That ain't necessary. So here, let's go back to Our Lady and finish this up. So a Syrophoenician woman, she knew she had nothing going for her. That's what you need to know. You got nothing going. You don't know anything except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What can His death and crucifixion do for me? So she had to depend on God's mercy How do you get mercy out of God? Well she tried door number one. And that one was closed. It was a complaining. Trying to make Jesus feel bad enough. And feel guilty enough to do something for her. You God. You let my daughter get sick. Do something. You know that's pretty much. She dumping it in his lap. He answered her. He answered. He didn't say anything. So the disciples jumped on her. You know. They always misunderstand everything. Who's supposed to be your spiritual help there in the flesh? <laughs> it's called bad ushering. Ah, send her away. They feel an all-important. you know? She's crying after us. Yeah, get away from me. You know, like they do beggars. Yeah, get away, get away. They started that nonsense. He answered her. They thought he wasn't going to answer. Took him a while. People don't like that about prophets. They don't like it when you don't have a quick. See the quick and ready answer is usually carnal. Right off the top of your head. Jesus went within himself to listen to what the Holy Spirit was telling him to say. Remember that. It might take you a while to come up. You don't have to prove to nobody you you know God real good. and You can talk to him real fast. (laughs) All you got to do is make sure you hear from him. <laughs> so you can come up with the right answer. He didn't say Jesus didn't say anything for a long while, so they figured they could abuse her, you know. I ah, get away. She didn't want to talk to you. But well, he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel, which was true. That was his mission. But the Bible said he came to his own. His own received him not, but To as many as received him. So anybody could receive him. See. Why is he dealing with her like this? This is important to her. This is, is what's holding up her faith. This is the issue. See when you come to Jesus begging. There's an issue that's blocking your faith from being expressed. When you come to him in anything but faith, there's something blocking your faith from getting out. And he will deal with that. He always deals with that. Well, he could just add, no he can't. He can't just give you what you want without your faith being involved. You'll never get it. You won't keep it. And you won't recognize it if it comes to you. Your answer will be there, and you'll think it's the wrong thing if your faith's not involved. So, he's got to do things this way. He says, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of Israel just to see what she was going to say, to see if she would receive him. Because that's the other part of the but. There's always a but in there, as many as received him. Oh, okay. So if his own don't receive him, that opens the door for me too. See, somebody can receive this. It's not impossible. And that's all we need to know when we're asking God for what we need. Somebody's going to receive from God because it's out there to be received. Somebody's going to get this miracle. Somebody's going to get this breakthrough. Somebody's going to get their house. Somebody's going to get their car. Somebody's going to get their healing because it's out there to be received. So she got stubborn and she refused to move. That ticked him off when he told her it wasn't for her. Ooh. <laughs> That's the way we need to get. See you have a covenant with God now. But if you if some Christians were witnessing you, to you and told you well you can't get healed because mm, don't tell me I can't get what ah, you gotta let the Baptist lady come out in you when people tell you can't have something. I've seen Baptist people that buy pews, sit up there for generations. They ain't going to make me move off my pew. They can't chase me out of church. And many of them stay on that basis and wind up getting healed, getting everything they need from God, but they ain't going to, they find out somebody trying to tell them they can't have something. Woo! You can't move me. You can't chase me out of here (laughs) so he said to her i am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of israel so she came and worshiped him saying lord help me in other words i don't know how to i don't know how I got here, I don't know, but I heard some people say, you've healed people in the past. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay here. I know you can help me. She calls him Lord. As many as received him. That's receiving him. You got me? All she had to do was form a covenant with him and she's in. She calls him Lord. And worships him. Do you know that's all you have to do to receive God? Most times or receive help from him. Now you may not have the Roman road. and You may not have the born again. But you got help. She said I'm not trying to be an Israelite. I'm not trying to be a Jew. Because I know I don't qualify for that. But all I'm asking you. Is if you are the Lord of glory. Can you help me? If you are who you say you are. Please help me. Oh, you got to do sometime. Those of us who know the word. Those of us who are. <laughs> oh, you got to do Say, so, Lord, help me. Please, Jesus. I'd have woe myself out trying to figure out how to fix these words up. How to get my confession straight. How to get my spirit right. How to keep out of trouble. How to keep out of debt. I'm just woe out. Just help me. <laughs> and he said, it's not right for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs huh? well she said yeah but I'm not moving you going to help me she said if I'm a dog I can eat crumbs you don't have to give me you don't have to put me up to the table see it's this thing when, when you know you don't qualify or you think you don't qualify you're not sure if you qualify just fall on this mercy and refuse to be denied this is what this see, when you keep coming after something, when you refuse to let all those excuses in your mind deny you of receiving from God, you'll get it. And you'll find that your faith is stronger after all of this you know, back and forth and denial. You can't have it. I'm not sent to you. No, I, I'm not giving this to dogs. This is too good for you. You know, this is for only for these people. And you refuse all that stuff to be denied. This is the warfare that goes on in our heads, folks. The devil will come and tell you, uh uh, you can't have that. I I know I would read the Old Testament something. Well, that was only for the Jews. Well, how come I'm feeling good about it? (laughs) If I feel good about it, I think I'll take it. (laughs) It reads to me just like the New Testament does. You know what I'm saying? I don't see no difference. Let me have my stuff. Mm Hmm? What does he tell her? Mm hmm. Great is your faith. She had none when he first started talking to her. How did it get great in just one conversation? Now this is encouraging for people who think you, it's going to take you forever for God to do something for you. In one conversation with the master. You can't be talking to yourself in your head all day long and get this. But one conversation with Jesus took her from being refused twice and to now he tells her her faith is great. Why? How'd her faith get great in one conversation? No pain, no gain. It's the same thing when you go to the gym. If you just just go in there and you know get on a little treadmill or something like that. You might feel better. You do your cardio or whatever they call it. Stuff. I don't even know all the stuff. But I'm telling you, you get on some of that resistance training. And that fat'll start turning into muscle. You start finding stuff in there you didn't even know was in there. I said, "Ooh, ooh, 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 we got a little definition now. Ooh, 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 we got a, we got a two pack. We got a six pack. We got a, ooh, 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 Because your muscle met something that challenged it, denied it at first, held it off, challenged it. And now you found that your muscle is big enough to push this mountain off from over your promise. So you can have your promise. Jesus, you see Jesus work with people like this over and over and over again. You have to understand what he's doing. All you have to do is ask him to give you understanding. He'll tell you what he's doing. Y'all, you have to look at the beginning and look at the end. You say, hmm, something happened in this conversation. Let me find out what this is. Because where this woman ended up is where I want to be. I want to be in that place where I've received what it is. He said let it be unto you even as you will. In other words ask anything. I don't care what you're asking for. Huh? I care about how you ask me. Not nice and polite but in faith. She was mad and got what she wanted there's an angry Baptist lady, sorry phoenician woman, same thing, and got what she asked for. Baptist people get ill, they get saved, they get all kinds of things from God. they prosper, have good jobs and wear them big hats and nice suits in the congregation. You better not touch my Now you shout if you want to, but you' better not hit my hat. all of the above. <laughs> but not my hat, but don't get crazy up in there well, you can get happy and shout but don't get crazy huh but this woman had something she envisioned on the inside of her and this is the important part too she must have held on to some vision of what she wanted for her daughter she didn't let go of it and that's what we got to do I don't care what it is, how long it takes. you got to hold on to it. It doesn't, t- doesn't matter how long it takes, how much resistance you come up against. If it's worth it, if it's worth getting from God, you'll endure whatever you need to endure to get the right thing. You want a healing that will remain. You want a marriage that will last. You want a, a, a good property that's that's going to be worth it. will appreciate in value. You want a car that's going to run you know, and be reliable. And then you can trade it up and get a better one. You don't want to just lose everything and start all over again. It makes no sense. So you have to let your faith grow. You have to let it mature. You have to let it do what God wants you to do. So he said in verse 28, Answered her, woman, O great is your faith. In other words, she didn't run away feeling sorry for herself. In fact, she left him in better condition than when she came. When she came, she was begging. He didn't respond to her begging. She said, oh, I've got to come a different way now. I've got to change this up a little bit. <laughs> so She figured out she'd, she'd just get sober and just say, Lord, please help me. You know, don't come to Jesus with a lot of fancy frills and you don't manipulate him to do it. He's already decided what he's going to do for us. In fact, it's done already as far as he's concerned. All we got to do is believe it and then step into the arena. (laughs) Faith puts you in the arena. Oh, you don't like that. Well, that's okay. You don't have to like it. But faith puts you into the arena. When prize fighters decide they want a title, all they're want, all they looking for is an opportunity to get in the ring. You got me? The rest of it is up to how well they maneuver once they get in there. You don't become a, a world champion just by getting in the ring. You got to do something once you get in there. You got to bring you some skills. You got to bring you some endurance. You got to bring you something. That, but they realize it's going to be a battle and a struggle before they can claim that belt. And they're going to have to have many of them. So if a, a, a crazy prize fighter, you know, most of them had most of the sense knocked out of them before they came. if they got more, is that much sense? We ought to have that much. You understand what I'm saying? We have to accept the terms of the covenant in order to get the benefit of it. You can't just want something. you got to prepare yourself for it. you got to understand what God does with a person. Try some stuff. I always tell these young women that, that want a husband, I said, try some different things and see if God want to increase your faith and honor it with that. You know, try try making your home comfortable. Try doing some things. That's the first thing you when you get married. Somebody's got to be the homemaker. You know, I feel sorry for some of these men. You know, they just, it's clothes everywhere and it don't smell right up in there. And. You know, everybody can buy a plug, in. They even got cinnamon ones now and ones that smell like cookies and stuff. You might be able to fool a brother. He get up there and think it's something in the oven. He been there for an hour, so ain't nothing come out yet. But, you know, you got him there for an hour. You know what I'm saying? Let's get real here. Do this thing right. You got to put your faith in gear in operation for something you just can't pray and they fall in your lap i mean that might happen but might hurt yourself that way too but you know what i'm saying let's let's start doing some natural things that act like where we act like and do it consistently people start doing things and try it for a minute now ain't no man showed up yet i'm gonna quit you gonna quit what you know they want to eat three times a day ain't gonna look at you for it you know what i'm saying it's, come on now let's get real here well I, I want some kids they gotta eat too you don't ever get off the hook of that you just always on the hook for the meal so you might as well get that out the way get all them dust bunnies out from under everything he can get a job don't worry about him not being able to support you god will take care of that women worry about the wrong things you were what you gonna do he don't need you to go out and go to work. He needs you to make a comfortable spot for him. Or he'll find one. Even if it's in his van. <laughs> I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I want to call time on me. I, if you don't call time on me, I ain't going to quit now. No. But you all know what I mean. Let's get our faith out. Dust it off. We're back on it again. Believe in God for everything. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for the opportunity, really, to just come before your throne and understand that we are faith people, Lord. And we got to keep this going. We can never give up on our faith. We can never quit on our faith. So we trust you that we are people of faith. To do your will. To be blessed. Everything that we have come out of the spirit of faith. In Jesus name. Amen. If somebody needs prayer come on up I'll pray for you. Amen. from a place of not being sure what we need or what we desire even if we can ask but now we know Lord just you need it when you say we can ask anything in any condition but you you perfect our faith and you bring us up to faith so we thank you Lord for bringing us into that realm of faith in Jesus name amen and praise God amen we are dismissed